My name is Josh Peck, host of Peck Report on Daily Renegade. I used to suffer with chronic pain from a degenerative bone disease. I was hopelessly addicted to opioids without any end in sight. But then I discovered Kratom and CBD. I am no longer on prescription drugs and I have more energy and pain relief than ever before. Kratom and CBD have given me my life back without draining my bank account. If you too would like some minor to major pain relief, Kratom and CBD might be for you. Either click on the links in the description below this video or go to dailyrenegade.com on the top left banner or right side ad and check out Tropic Health Kratom and CBD. Use promo code HEALTH20 for 20% off your order and get your life back today. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of The Christian Contrarian. I'm Gary Wayne, author of The Genesis 6 Conspiracy, and this is episode 20, Hierarchy of the Angels. As we continue with that subject, I'm going to dig into the government and the military or army aspect of what the hierarchy looks like. You know, over the last month or so, as I've been talking about the organizational structure and the players and specifically drilling in on the 70 uh, gods of Psalms 82 have been getting uh, questions and urging to in comments urging to go a little bit deeper into it and I've been a little bit hesitant to do that because there's not sort of a con congruent sort of understanding as to what that hierarchy looks like and or that would agree with what my research looks like so I'm going to talk to you about what the standard hierarchy looks like and I'm also going to walk you through point by point today in terms of what my research shows and then show you how that sort of funnels down into the hierarchy and how we can understand how that how it is set up by the names and terms that were provided throughout the Bible so you know church fathers like Pseudo-Dionysus and later on with Thomas Aquina, they basically laid out the hierarchy into three divisions and nine orders. And so you have on the first layer, you have the seraphim and the cherubim and the thrones. And you have on the second tier, you have the dominions and the virtues and the powers. And then on the third, you have the principalities, the archangels, and the angels. And, of course, all of those terms you can find within the Bible. But the question gets to be, is that accurate? And how does that really show in terms of, of, a, of a hierarchy? So we're going to have a good hard look at that today and start explaining it to you from the terms and then piecing that back together. So... One of the things that crosses my mind in there where you have archangels in the third tier and in the middle is that doesn't seem to match up with what scripture tells us. And I'm going to cover off archangels a little bit later, but you know, certainly in 1 Thessalonians we get archangels that are blowing a trump and you have archangels or very powerful angels with trumpets in Revelation 8. Uh, with the seven trumpets 
And then also in Revelation 1 verse 20, you have stars and candlesticks that are around the throne of God. And that number is seven. And I think all of that is pointing that you have archangels like Michael and Gabriel that are around the throne and seemingly seven of them. And that doesn't really account for the first layer properly because we're only showing three. So I actually think there's probably four. You've got the three traditional seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple of minutes, but you also have the archangels. And so all of a sudden that starts to throw things a little bit out of order in terms of the standard sort of hierarchy. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that, as I said. So let's first talk about the word hierarchy. And again, so much of our English language has its roots in Greek and Latin and older etymology. And hierarchy actually goes back through Old French and Latin in Greece. And of course, the New Testament is written in Greece. And higher means sacred and holy, like in hieroglyphs. So sacred, holy writings in that aspect. And in this case, archi comes from archon or ruler. So you basically have a sacred or holy rulers that are making up this hierarchy. And that's why Pseudo Dionysus, a church father, called it the celestial hierarchy. We also have the rebellious hierarchy that is going to counterfeit and replicate the holy sacred hierarchy that we need to be aware of as to how it works in this world and how it's going to affect the end time. And I like to call that not the rebellious hierarchy, I like to call it the celestial mafia. And just as you have a godfather at the head of a crime family, this is a crime family of angels with Satan at its head who would be the godfather. And again, a counterfeit term for God the Father. And again, no coincidence because mafia triads are all sort of offshoots of secret societies, parallel organizations working in the same direction. So they're just part of the overall hierarchy at the human level, doing things um, on the ground for the fallen angels and the demons. So as we look at this understanding in terms of what is going on in the hierarchy, we have, as I was mentioning, the government and the military aspects. So let's talk about a very, very important term when it comes to angels and thus the structure so that we can better put the terms into focus. And that term is called the host of heaven. And the host of heaven is uh, a term that's used in conjunction with sons of God, angels, stars, morning stars. And if you're not familiar with how that all comes together as supporting themselves all as angels, then get a hold of me at my website, thegenesis6conspiracy.com and or on Facebook and and. Uh, Ask me for the sons of God being angels document. I'll send that to you and that'll, that'll become clear. And I've covered that off in past shows. But if you want the document, get a hold of me on it. And so when we look at the host of heaven, though, we're going to define that now as it comes out of uh, Greek. And uh, it's the word for host is Saba, which means soldier or army. And uh, within this, you have, you know, generals and you have officers and you have cavalry and you have the foot soldiers. 
And it's a very, very important to understand this because what we understand with the host of heaven is that there's in both in Daniel and in Revelations, we're told there's 10,000 times 10,000 of these angels in the host of heaven, and that's 100 billion. So we're talking about uh, a lot of angels and at least a third of them, as Revelation 12 talks about, as will have rebelled at least by Revelation 12. So at least 33 million of them. And of course, heaven comes from the word Shama, which is the singular form, and Shamaim, which is the plural form, and that means the heavenly ones, and it includes the stars and the planets as well as, as you have different meanings that are coming out of Hebrew on that. But that's what the host of heaven talks about coming out of Hebrew. So we have all of these groups that are in this army of heaven that we need to understand what those roles are. So hierarchy of heaven and the host of heaven. We need to understand those terms so that we can start digging into the specific layers. So starting back then at tier one, we have the seraphim, which have covered off in past shows that are covered off in Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 14, 29 and 36, all out of Isaiah. And these are the fiery serpent-faced ministers that live and work between uh, the altar and the fiery stones before God. And these are the watchers that I believe are sent down, uh, as they're called in Daniel 4, and as Enoch will talk about the sons of God in Genesis 6 as the watchers. And they bring forth messages about government. And uh, government and sort of as the religion works with the government in terms of how that's going to be set up, through which God gives power over humans. So the seraphim aspect is something that's an important part of how it comes down the hierarchy from being the watchers around uh, the throne of God. And watchers comes from the, the uh, Hebrew word ir as those who watch or who are always awake that are serving God around the throne and each of them have different functions. So the second group is the cherubim and they're the ones who cover the throne with their wings and we get cherubim throughout the Bible um, and certainly it is described in Ezekiel 1. These have a, a face of a man, a face of an ox, a face of an eagle and a face of a lion. And it's important to understand that detail when we talk about who these thrones are, which are typically put in at that top tier. And so uh, the cherubim are also the ones, as in Psalms 18, that God will ride uh, when he's in the physical world or wherever he wants to go in however many universes that there might be that he may oversee. And so... Uh, we need to understand these two so we can understand who the thrones are and also understand that the power is coming down to the earth through the seraphims. And even though you'll have as replicated in the palaces and in the religious structures, various cherubs or cherubim, they're all the same being that are protecting those or griffins are protecting those churches, that is just, again, the counterfeit aspect on earth as to what God has in heaven, just as the Ark of the Covenant has the cherubim covering the Ark of the Covenant that goes into the Holy of Holies to replicate, not a counterfeit, but a replication for the Israelites to have worshipped. 
And of course, the Levites would have worshipped that just as Satan, who has nine jewels and the Levites 12. The Levites were also priests that worked before the throne of God as well. So obviously I'm saying that Satan was a minister and seraphim just as he was a serpent described in Revelation 12. Now in the third group, we have the thrones, and that's not typically a term that comes out of the Old Testament, like what we're going to get seraphim or cherubim from. But that actually shows up in, in Colossians 1.16, and thrones is comes from the word Greek word thronos, meaning power or seat or throne. So it's interesting, and as you see when I talk about all of these other New Testament terms that we're going to use that... The church fathers took that term and applied it to the third group surrounding the throne, which I also think there was a fourth one, as I mentioned, called the archangels. And that third group, I believe, are the Ophanim that Enoch describes as that third group. And we get that out of Ezekiel 10 as the ones that are living within the throne, separate from the wheels, which is Gilgal. So you have to take the word wheel back to Hebrew to find out which it's referring to. So there's the wheels of the throne and then there's the beings that live between the wheels and that is the Ophan and the I am is the male plural and which is the derivative where Enoch would get the Ophanim as a third one. And this is the throne of God, which is the church fathers are taking the New Testament term for thrones and putting that back with the Ophanim. I think they're correct in that aspect but it also has another aspect about being the thrones of the he uh, of from the rebellious angels on earth that I'll, that I'll talk about later on so understand that these ophanium have uh, the same three heads of the cherubim which are man ox and eagle but it doesn't have the lion but it does have a cherub and i think that is, again, describing a different order of angels, and I think Enoch is correct on that. Now, in Daniel 7, we actually get thrones that are going to be cast down in the end time. And that's a very interesting thing to keep in mind as we start to connect Old Testament and New Testament back and forward. And this has got a lot to do with the thrones that are going to be cast down as the powers of heaven, which are dunamis, which I'm going to come back to in Matthew 24, 29, when the powers of heaven are shaken. And in Revelation 12, you have the war in heaven and the angels coming down to, to, to the earth. And so we need to understand these terms, as I guess is what I'm saying, that are important to understand the hierarchy, but how they play out in the end time. And understand both of, all three of these passages are talking about before Jesus' return, and this is at the midpoint of the last seven years. So we also need to understand that um, where the archangels fit in. And as we talked about, they are the ones who are the candles in front of, or, in front of the throne as well as talked about in in revelations and the seven who stand before who blow the trumpets and we also need to understand that michael in jude 1 9 is an archangel and so this is part of that upper tier and 
starts to formulate the difference between how government comes down and how the military comes down. And we need to understand that a military aspect coming from the archangels and we need to understand that the government and the religious aspect is going to come down through the seraphim angels. So again what we've just covered off is that top tier four not three and that even though we don't get, I'm not suggesting things that are coming down in direct uh, descendancy from the Cherubim and the Ophanim, they also have important aspects in terms of how government is organized in this physical world with the thrones and with the replication of the Cherubim in, in the uh, houses of government, the houses, the royal palaces and, and the churches. So again, very, very important terms in terms of putting this all together. So now let's start breaking this down in terms of the other two tiers, tier two and tier three, but let's review Colossians 1.16, which gives most of the other terms that we're going to need to know. And in there, we're told that we're not fighting just flesh and blood, even though we have those as part of the hierarchy working for the rebellious angels on, on the ground, but we're fighting the invisible ones and not just flesh and blood. So these are spirit beings, demons and angels in different orders and in, in, in within the hierarchy. And it talks about the thrones, as we talked about, the dominions, the principalities, and the powers. And then we get another one thrown in, in Ephesians 1, 2, which are the mighty ones or the mites. And these are classic, classically known as the virtues. And I'll explain that once we, once we get there. So this is what we're going to now start to overlay in. And starting in tier two, we're going to deal with the dominions. And that goes back to the Greek word kuriatos, and that means government, government authority, government ruler, government ruling, that whole aspect about government. So this is the government aspect that will come back through the seraphim angels that I talked about as Daniel 4 talks about. And the next one is the virtue or the might. Now, this is sometimes translated into English as in powers, which is the, 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 the third one in the group. So we, that's why it's important to understand it as it's originally written in Greek. And that's because you get power as one of the meanings of dunamis, which, which might is uh, translated from, and that's Ephesians 1-2, where you see the word might. And that's what... The church fathers attributed the virtues to, and I'll explain that in, in a second. So, and or strongholds. And these are very powerful angels. Uh, they have miraculous power. Some people believe that they have power over nature. And certainly we get some angels in uh, Revelation that have power over the nature. And dunamis means miraculous power, strength, and violence, and power and connected through the army aspect. And so I think they're coming down not in the government aspect as Dominion is in this layer. So again, you see how that contradiction, and I'm, that's why I want to lay down a couple separate streams that come down from the four groups on the top. And so when I talk about them as being part of the army, I think these might, or dunamis, the powerful ones, but not the powers, are the angels being talked about in Psalms 
3.20 that excel the strength of God, the strong ones in Isaiah 13.3, the powers dunamis that are shaken in heaven uh, in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and in Luke. Uh, these are the mighty angels that are talked about in 2 Peter 2.11, Revelation 10.1, 8.21, and 5.2. And there's more examples, but I think you'll get an understanding that this is a classification of very mighty animals, uh, not animals, angels, and um, why it's translated as might and then uh, overlaid with the ideology of virtues as the church fathers describe them when the encyclopedias would list them if you go to the, you know, Encyclopedia Americana or whichever one you choose, it'll give the same names as what the church fathers use for the hierarchy of the gods, in this case virtues. And that's because they have such intestinal faith and fortitude within that what's where their strength comes from. And that's where the word virtues come. And also dunamis is used in a few passages in the New Testament for the term virtue as what we would normally understand it in, in, the, in, in the English language. So as in Hebrew, just as in Greek, each word can have several meanings. We need to select the right meaning for the passage so that we can understand the passage and ensure it's been translated properly. Now, powers is the, is the third one in the, in the second tier, and that comes from the word excusia. So you have uh, a meaning that's attached to that, again, as authority or magistrate or jurisdiction over the government. So a jurisdiction over the dominions. So again, we see a bit of a hierarchy and a government aspect. So dominion and powers out of the second tier have to do with government. The mighty ones or the virtues has to do with the host of heaven army. Moving on to tier three, we have principalities, archangels, and angels. And again, we've talked about archangels I'm raising to the first tier. So dealing with principality, that comes from the word archa, which means chief, first, ruler, archon, and again, classification in the army, and I think underneath the archangels. So we have now two, three classifications in the army of archangel. We have the mighty angels and we have the principalities, which are the archa. And then you have angels, which comes from angelos, uh, which are messengers, uh, couriers, and soldiers of the host of heaven, as we get the description of that. And so uh, as we look at that description, we basically have then all three of those as part of the uh, and tier three is part of the military order and, and, and structure. So uh, I know I covered those off uh, fairly, fairly quickly, but it, I wanted just to sort of lay it down so that I can now talk about in terms of how that sort of flows out as I see it. So at the top again, we have the four types of angels around the throne. You have the, the ones who are awake and are serving before God with the seraphim, 
in charge of the government. You have the cherubim, which cover the thrones and are shown in all throne rooms, both rebellious and and uh, uh, holy, as from God. And you have the Ophanim, which are the angels that are in the throne and are the throne angels and ha are slightly different, although very, very similar to the, the cherubim. So how this comes down is I see it starting on the government side. Uh, and again, this is all my conclusion based on the meanings and trying to piece things around in terms of how I think it, how I think it looks is you have the uh, seraphim at the top in terms of the government and the religion. And, and understand that it, it, the religion comes out of, of the knowledge. And the knowledge is married up with the seven sacred sciences in the generation of the Nephilim in the days of Noah and the time of Jared. And this is that organizational structure that's going to come together between the kingship and the armies uh, and the government and the religion to enslave humankind and bring the antediluvian world to its knees in the first apocalypse, just as what has happened at Babel over and over and over in the modern era of our history and what they're planning for the end time. And so you have the seraphim and right below them, I place the powers or the excusia, the ones that are uh, overseeing the dominions. And I'll explain the dominions a little bit more in a second. And so these are, the powers that aren't the dunamis, these are the powers that are the excusia as talked about in Colossians 1.16. Okay, and these are not the powers that are shaken in heaven. These are a separate classification in the government arm that oversees uh, what's going on under underneath the uh, the government reigns. So underneath the powers you have the dominions, which is the curiatus or the seat or the throne. So I guess you'd have an interconnection from perhaps the Ophanim or the thrones as they're labeled by uh, Pseudo-Dionysus and either church fathers. And you have decorating those thrones in the coat of arms, typically, whether or not it's the Windsors where they have a dragon and a lion, but basically they're decorating themselves with heavenly beings and or cherub type beings uh, as part of their coat of arms. And again, showing their allegiance in taciturn terms as to the bloodlines that they take their particular divine right to rule from. So you have powers under the seraphim, then the dominions, which is the government, and the powers rule, you know, rule over the governments. And then you have the thrones, and then you have the demigods, kings, and demons of the earth. So the demigods were the Nephilim and the Rephaim as they were created. They started the royal bloodlines and the kings and the government underneath. And of course, the demon spirits are still actively involved with the governments. And just as we see in Revelation 16, 13 through 14, in the end time, they're going to lead these governments into war as they come out of the mouth of the false prophet and, and the Antichrist, which I think is an extraordinarily interesting term as we understand that. So you have the demigods who were originally the ones created by 
the, the rebellious angels to be their kings and representatives on earth and then you have their offspring throughout the generations thereafter just as you have the metallic dynasties in Daniel 2 7 and 8 and as we see it come to power in in 11 and 12 in Revelation 13 and Revelation 17 these are the metallic and the beast empires and underneath that, then you have the regions of the nations, right? You have the thrones of the people, the gods of the people. Uh, and then you have the regions, the cities, and the towns as you start to break that down. And underneath all of that, you have the elementals that work for the demigods and the offspring. And the elementals are like the rudiments of Colossians 2, 8 to 20, Galatians 4 and 3. And these are the elementals of the fairy categories, which is the uh, little people and another Nephilim type of creation. And I think the reference to elementals and rudiments in Colossians 2 and Galatians 4 is talking about this. And I think we get in Ezekiel 27, the Gamadine, which may represent them. So... Moving over to, and, and they'll look after the technology and the knowledge and uh, the genealogies and the laws and all of the details of government uh, through the gnomes, which is one classification of the elementals from the ugly ones, uh, just as you have all classifications kind of working for them of the little ones. Now in the military aspect, you have uh, the archangels at the top, archangels, Okay, Angelos is where it comes from. Um, so chief angels, and then you have the principalities, which are kind of, to me, like the, uh, the officers of the archangel generals. And you've got maybe Satan at the top, uh, obviously in the rebellious aspect. And then you have principalities, which I say are the officers, again comes from the word arche. Below them, you have the mighty dunamis, uh, mighty angels of strongholds and fortresses and things like that that's below them that are going to be doing a lot of the fighting for both God and for the rebellious angels and I think this is represented in Revelation 9 uh, and Joel 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 for the Armageddon War and the Gog War as some of these interesting looking beings that are fighting uh, in the war on the earth these won't be the ones from God in uh uh, Joel 1 and 2, Ezekiel 38, 39, or Revelation 9, because Armageddon comes later, but they are the rebellious ones. And then, of course, you've got their lower angels below that are helping in the fight, both uh, in God's army and in the counterfeit army, the celestial mafia, as I like to call them, uh, of uh, Satan's uh, rebellious angels. So, as we look at this now and we overlay that onto what we talked about in past shows about the 70 gods of Psalm 82 and the division of the nations in Deuteronomy 28, I would look at it, this as in the council of the gods, uh, except where God sometimes goes in and sits, as Psalm 82 suggests, Satan would sit for his normal governing as being the prince of this world, the god of this world, the ruler of this world. And ruler goes back to as an epithet for Satan uh, as ruler shows up in um, the terms in the New Testament. And so Satan is also a seraphim and a cherubim 
and also an archangel and represents much of what's on the uh, first tier that we talked about and he would have his own cherubim and his own ophanim or thrones that would be uh, amongst him in his own uh, place called a uh, what's a house of the archeon uh, which is where the grand architect lives and again arch you need to understand that also has to do with satan and underneath that you have uh the powers or the seraphim angels which are the the watchers of genesis 6 that is granting power to the kingdoms of the earth and underneath them working with them are the uh, the excusia. So I think the seraphim and the excusia are these 70 gods and maybe it's just all of the 70 that are the powers and the seraphim are still above that and kind of the intermediary between Satan and those 70 gods. Not quite sure on that but they're certainly kind of connected and related. And then underneath that you have the dominions or the curiotos which are the lands of the government and the regions of a, of a nation. And then you have the thrones which are the physical rulers on the earth, the leaders, the kings, the Nephilim in the beginning, the Raphaim after the flood, their offspring and how they interact with the demons. And then you have within those kingdoms you have regions, cities and towns which will all have a hierarchy of angels that are responsible for that and human uh, people, nobility reporting back to the kings and the leaders and then of course you have the elementals uh, who are you know keeping track of the legal aspects and everything else and however they do it in the rebellious government. And in the military aspect, you'd have the archangels and Azazel would be like the leader or archangel, seraphim angel, perhaps, uh, of the archangels for the rebellious ones. And then underneath that, you've got uh, the officers of the armies that we talked about in the cavalry of the armies that are fighting in Revelation 9, Joel 1 and 2, and Jeremiah 51, Isaiah 13 and uh, in 14 you're going to see references to this and then you'll they would also be fighting in like a, in Isaiah 28 as well uh, in the Armageddon battle so Isaiah 13 Isaiah 28 are very very important overlay over end time prophecy for some of the imagery that we don't normally get in other references and of course we talked about uh, the mighty ones probably being the cavalry and then they've got their lower end soldiers and these are you know the angels that are coming out of the abyss the worst of the ones before the flood and the ones that weren't put into the abyss, uh, who weren't impassioned, and also all of the angels and powers and dominions that are cast out of heaven in, in Revelation 12. And so when I talked about some of the names of uh, like the grand, Ar grand architect of the universe and the house of Archeon, get your flags up in this world with anything that's rooted kind of in arc that's got to do with the ruling aspect of control over the earth so whether or not it's architecture which is created to honor the pantheon of gods the arch which was you know used to build these occult cathedrals like the gothic cathedrals of europe again part of that worship the 
pantheon of gods, the archives or the archives of the nations. These, this is storing knowledge and their history of this world and of their religion and of their genealogies. Archon, of course, you hear the archons and Gnosticism and the hostile rulers. That's all part of that language. And, you know, that word arcane is uh, an occult word and derived from Ark, again, to honor their gods. So hidden secret mysteries. And of course, archaeology to dig up the past and to honor their past kings and gods and, and demons that were ruling beforehand. So hopefully, I know I covered a lot of ground and a lot of detail. I do have uh, uh, a couple of documents on this. If you want to get a hold of me on the hierarchy of the gods in terms of the military and the government, get a hold of me and I'll send that to you. And uh, you can get the, get a hold of me through the website genesis6conspiracy.com or through uh, Messenger on Facebook. Just uh, send me a message and I'll, I'll gladly send those documents. So until next time, I am signing off and thank you for listening to another edition of The Christian Contrarian.